Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Friday night edition of Radio Free Brooklyn's Potluck Dinner feature, which brings together the talent of Radio Free Brooklyn to give you a new show, a brand new show that's not heard anywhere else on the station schedule every week. I'm Colby Smith. I'm the host of Clear the Dance Floor here at the station, usually on Sundays at 4. But tonight, we got something special for you. Dan Colas is joining me in a second. In the meantime, here's Oscar Peterson. Just telling the folks before you got here that you would be joining writer Dan Colitz. I writer again. That's how you introduced me last time. It doesn't feel that way, pal. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. But so we, what should I call you? Uh, a flaneur? So a Flatbush resident. <laughs> Flatbush resident. Uh, well, so this is what I wanted to ask you first off the bat. Sure. So we're here in Bushwick, the neighborhood where both of us. <sighs> And we should mention that we're drinking these Threes Brewing yeah, this is IPAs. Nice. This is the... All or nothing. For those listening Very out of polished. the city, out of the state, this is a great local brewery, Threes Brewing. They you have a some... national audience on this program? Yeah. Oh, yeah. International. 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 Audience. Well, hello. High in Germany, great. weirdly. Uh, I, I buy that. I think they like audio entertainment in that country. Anyway, Colby. Get right up saying? on that okay, mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pull, feel free to pull it close to you. Sure, sure, you know, sure. Lean over the whole time. There okay. we go. Uh, that's good. Okay, there we go. So we're here in Bushwick. This is where the studio is located. Mm. This is a neighborhood where you and I spent our earliest years in the city. Oh, yeah. I was here for a decade. Neither of us live here anymore in Bushwick. We live in, in Brooklyn, but not in Bushwick. Uh-huh. How do you feel when you come back here? And how often do you, and do you? If anything, I feel come back something. pretty frequently, either to go on Tinder dates with women sure. who are slightly younger than me, or to see uh, various friends. I mean, I don't know. I don't really feel the nostalgia I, I mm. would expect to feel walking these streets. Yeah, partly because it feels like uh, my twenties haven't ended. It doesn't feel like there's been enough of a break. Sure, between the phases of my life, do I'm you, basically. Do you not feel like? The pa- the pandemic like interrupted. Pandemic didn't change my life at all. The momentum. Uh, at all. No, 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 not okay. remotely. You're you may, may be the only person I'm, I've talked to who feels uh, that way. I, you know, I already didn't go to an office and uh, right lived a pretty solitary life and didn't go out that much. So fundamentally, the pandemic was. I mean, I, I liked the pandemic in the sense that you know, I think you know a lot of people say this. I didn't have any. I could stay in without yeah feeling like things were going on. No FOMO. No FOMO. No, f- no FOMO fear of missing all. out. No, 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 no. Uh, no, pandemic was I recommend we should do it again. <laughs> I don't know if you have any connections. Yeah, I could, I could pull some strings. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. There are definitely parts about it that I miss, for sure. What was your pandemic like? Well, I was teaching preschool at the time. Mm-hmm. I had just started a job as a early childhood educator at the, well, I maybe shouldn't say the name of the school. No, say the name oh, of the school. I, well, no, I don't Come want on. It. it was on the Lower East Side. That should narrow it down. For people, uh, and it happened, and we went remote. We did remote preschool for the next, you know, several months, and then mm-hmm. controversially went back to work in person in like late 2020, in like late September oh, wow. 2020, okay. maybe even August. Uh, and on the first day, this there we had this the, the school was part of like a larger nonprofit, sure, 
and the the CEO of the nonprofit came around. It was like criminal this, enterprise, basically. <laughs> pretty much. Okay. Came around to the classrooms, poked his head in, and went, "Hey, thanks for coming back," and then like left. Uh-huh. <laughs> we were like, "Did we have a choice? You kind of made us." Well, but come you come back. Did, did, we could have quit. Did you love it? Did you like being there? Quit. Well, it was my job. I would, yeah. There were things I liked about it. I liked, you know, I've worked in a lot of schools and a lot of nonprofits, and I, there's, this, there's, there are qualities about that that I like. The, the actual day to day was yeah. incredibly difficult. I never was, see kids around, really. Yeah. Well, I would say <laughs> once, once How you've been they? in that setting, you, I feel like there was a while where I like I was on the lookout for them subconsciously. We're just, you were like, looking like, for children who, wherever you were. You were looking for children. Who's watching them? That guy, like, are they safe? I see. Yeah, I you don't know? have that impulse. Uh, <laughs> well, my, my friend did have, <laughs> and a friend you? of yours had a, a child mm-hmm. two days ago. Really? Yesterday, we, two days Eric? ago. Eric Swader. That's great. Put his name Congrats on the podcast, and I FaceTimed with the baby today. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful child. Very proud of my friend. Uh, sort That's of amazing. Inconceivable to imagine having a child of my own. But Colby, you you seem well positioned to have a child. You're a stable. I, I'm closer than you, maybe. Much closer. I mean, I don't. I'm not. There's nothing. Not even remotely close <laughs> to having a kid. But what? I mean, when do you do you and your uh, partner tend to get married fiance. and have a child? Fiance, fiance. When the fuck did you get engaged? Yeah, yeah. Right, right uh, before Thanksgiving last year. I haven't seen it's, you. No, I I think I have seen you, which means you told me and I forgot. Oh, it could be. Although maybe not. Anyway, how's that been? Oh, it's, I mean, it hasn't changed anything. If anything, it hasn't changed anything at all. It hasn't changed anything about your relationship? No, no, no. I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's like, it's great. I I'm love it. Uh, next June, June 2025. Can and you are you Can are on the list. June 2025? You are, we, we did make a list the other Summer day. Summer wedding? We're in New York? Yeah, uh, Western Mass. Western Mass? We'll yeah. We'll see if I can make it. No, I, 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 I'll travel. I haven't left the city in... Years, I feel like I, I not even. Yeah. Are you counting like you? Do you go to Long Island? I go to Long Island. I mean, it doesn't really not really feel like much thing. of a trip. I yeah. was there. I was there just. A well, I got to tell you, on on a similar, this is something I think about a lot. Where sure. I feel like when I'm not when I'm in New York and I spend a weekend here, you know, I'll do like one or two things that I think are like really fun. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. this is why I live here. Blah blah blah. But you know, if I'm just like out walking around, I'm like, I gotta go somewhere. I gotta. I have to be on a trip. I'm. I'm like not seeing. I, I feel the the. The pull, and then I go, and I'm like, "Well, this isn't as good as New York." You're saying any any trip to anywhere? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, not to yeah. like Bali or something like that's different, you know. Yeah. But but anytime I go to just like another city, like oh, we'll change it up. We'll like go to go to somewhere for the weekend. It's it hard for me to work. register, like my environments. The, the, you mm-hmm. know, I go, I go. To, I remember. Last time I went anywhere was Copenhagen, and you look at it, and you're like, wow, this is I, – I can see that I'm in Copenhagen, but yeah. I don't really assimilate it. Uh, I feel like I'm in my own private universe, and nothing right. is impinging on my consciousness. <laughs> really, I could be anywhere, though. I mean, the same almost applies to New York, you know? Mm-hmm. But, well, no wonder you don't feel nostalgia when you come up to Bushwick. No, I feel nothing. I mean, again, I, I don't feel it's ended. As I've said to you <laughs> on earlier occasions, Colby and I are friends. This has been established. Mm-hmm. Uh I I don't I still feel like basically yeah a young no I know what you man. mean it's it's only it's only in terms of like the minds the mindset hasn't changed at all is what you mean no my life hasn't changed at all <laughs> well, my life well, is the same it, yeah I guess that's true but I mean you don't live in the same apartment you I know, suppose friends, physically it's friends a different have apartment moved on. I mean like they're around you know, oh, well, well, well I, sure, I've had sure. a few dr- I had at least one hugely dramatic falling out actually I will say going mm. to Ridgewood that is always a bit draining emotionally because I okay. did have this sort of Falling out with a friend, then I associate them with that particular neighborhood that's on the Bushwick border. Right. You know? okay. But if yeah, I'm yeah. walking, we're talking Bushwick proper. 
I'm feeling. I, I'll go, let me give you an example here, Colby, of mm. my deluded sense of my youthfulness. Is that I went to go see the band. Are you familiar with the shoegaze band? They are gutting a body of water. Uh, I'm not really like familiar with their catalog, but I know the name. You know of the, the name. Band. Yeah, sure. It's a very sure. distinctive name. Yeah. So they they did a show at Baby's All Right. Yeah. Uh, in Williamsburg. Yes, and they're a fantastic band. And I and I asked the woman I was with, who was herself in her twenties, uh, like it suddenly dawned on me, am I the oldest person in the room? <laughs> and she immediately was like, yes, for sure, a hundred percent. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I think that guy next to me is like probably my age, a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. Tapping the shoulder, he's like twenty one years old, and you know, that, and that happened <laughs> just, to everyone I asked. You just asked him how old he was. Of course I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He seemed happy to answer. You know. <laughs> As anyone would at that, at that age. <laughs> if they're 21, yeah. Exactly. I'm 21 they're, years old. They're waiting to be asked when they oh, walk yeah, in a room. Exactly. Yeah. You know? But uh, you feel like you're getting uh, old, Colby? I, I, I feel like it's... Uh, I feel like the circumstances feel older. My, but my, my my mindset has not changed. What really. circumstances? Have I mean, when I like when I sit in in the middle of the day and I'm like looking around, I'm like, okay, uh-huh. I've like I have this job, I have I uh-huh. living with someone. Sure. We're in this apartment that's in a neighborhood that's not. Uh, there's not like a spot around the corner. You know what I mean? Like Bushwick is like happening. You know, but it I have was. to like I have to like walk twenty minutes to find like a good bar. You that know makes, what I mean? Yeah, really? But that, yeah. I mean, uh, all of Brooklyn is filled with bars. You might are you just in a dead you, patch of uh, yes. of the borough? Okay, yes. there are plenty of sort of adult heavy areas that are filled with uh, places to drink. But I mean, if you think about me, I live in this apartment where I got the same roommate I had eight years ago. Mm-hmm. He's the same. You think I'm the same? This guy hasn't changed his life at all. He's gotten much worse. I, I mean. I don't know if your audience yeah. is familiar with uh, my roommate Connor. <laughs> I don't know if he's sort of a recurring character on the show, but his life is he hell. Could be. I mean, it really is. The guy. But does plays... he think of it that way? He does absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, he goes back and forth. Sometimes he, you know, pretends to find some contentment in his life, but uh, you know, he just plays video games all the time. And Colby, yeah. I don't know if this is sort of an issues program, but we could talk about how gaming is <laughs> destroying a generation. I feel like no one talks about it. No one talks about it. Everyone should. Gamers should be shamed. Can I be honest with you completely? What, you play video games? No, I completely agree with you. Oh, you agree with me? Why would uh, you need to preface that? We were suddenly going to say something. It's kid stuff. Because I feel like with, with video games, it's like it's like an old, like a really, really old man thing to complain about. Yeah, no, but I've been complaining about it since I was a child. But they're right. They've always been right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I will say that the older people, let's say in 2007, who were complaining about Facebook or Twitter, they had some points they were mostly wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. We at 33 complaining about TikTok, completely correct. Yes. It's an obvious, again, this is all, we're, this is pro form, no one needs to hear this, but that shit is completely evil. It needs to be yeah. banned immediately. I, I feel mean, like it's, it's like undeniably bad. Yeah. In terms Horrible. of like, they've done all these studies about how addictive it is, how it's like uniquely addictive, the algorithm serves you, stuff that radicalizes you. Yeah, you know? even, even, it's just stupid. It, it doesn't even radicalization, just sort of <laughs> stupid sketches yes. are annoying. I, you know, I don't, I care. Yes. I, no, I care more about people becoming neo-Nazis, I guess, but just also people being force-fed sort of a hack comedy. Oh, yeah. Is, I think. Uh, Horrible. Uh, another big problem. Horrible. I, so I, uh, I'm glad you brought this up, because this mm. is another thing I, I was uh, uh, going to talk to you about. Sure. I watched this movie recently. 
This okay. Eric Romare. Oh, I love movie. that guy. I really do. I had Isn't a Romare-like experience. We can talk about it really? in a little bit. Yeah, but continue. Well, so I watched My Night at Mods. Have you seen My Night at Mods? You know, I've seen like 10 Romer movies, and they all blur together because they yeah. are functionally sort of the same movie. Yeah, yeah, People yeah. in sunlit European yes. locales. They're great. I mean, I'll... Falling in and out of love, having these affairs. Any of them, I want it. Oh, I would love that <laughs> They're life. Great. I would genuinely love that life. Yeah. Uh, but so you, you saw this movie. So I watched this movie, and, uh, y- you know, the, it's a very Romare-type plot where uh-huh. it's like a, a, a young— Well, not a young man. He's kind of like our age. I think he's 33. In okay. the, in the, uh, in the, so a young man. Yeah. The youngest possible yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He is—he's very Catholic. Uh, okay. uh, but he's like very intellectual about it. He's done all this reading and this philosophy, and he's come down on the, fa- on the fact of like Catholic. So he and he's in love with this uh, this young girl at his uh, parish. Okay. okay, but he is afraid to to speak to her, and sure. so uh, on a chance night, he runs into a friend of his from college who is now a professor, and the friend from college says, "I'm just on my way to see my mistress. Won't you come?" Okay, mm-hmm. so then they, the three of them have this like this night together. They're all chatting. It's you know it's very moody. It's very there's like some sexual tension, uh, mm. uh, and it's great. But he goes he he stays at a nearby uh, youth hostel basically uh, overnight, and uh, there's like some just some books on the on the shelf in the sample books in the youth hostel, and he just picks ones up, picks one up and starts sleeping through, it, and then he falls asleep. But it occurred to me watching this that like. Just if you wanted to be at home and entertain yourself prior to 1970, let's say, it kind of had to be reading. It had to be a book or a magazine. Yeah, yeah. I think about this constantly. I mean, we've seen many uh, uh, publishers laying people off this week, Colby. Not, oh, yes. not to bring things back to the news, <laughs> but no. I mean, I, I think often of there's a preface to a wonderful essay collection that is now out of print, I believe, by David Samuels, who I think has become some kind of nut job politically. But before that was a very perceptive and interesting literary journalist, you know, mm-hmm. carrying on the real new journalism tradition. And he, even in 2008, he was kind of writing about the collapse of writing as something people cared about. And it is true, you watch all these publications get destroyed, and the bulk of it is mismanagement by, you know, VC mm-hmm. psychopaths. But yes. it, it also remains the case that there is a much smaller audience for reading, and it cannot be sustained, you know, on a mass scale in a way that maybe once it could be. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It depresses me. I really don't think anyone cares about writing. I especially don't think men care about writing. I mean, you know, the majority of no men, I, you're one of like three guys I know who <laughs> reads a book. I mean, the guys I know that, that, that read are, are themselves either writers or aspiring writers, but otherwise, yeah, yeah. it's not a part of the culture. You know? No, no, not at all. Not at all. This is such a funny part. I'm just going. It I'm doesn't really have to, lamenting. That's not Listen what we're to me. Doing. I'm talking TikTok. People don't read. They're using TikTok. We're not they're going, doing funny today. Okay. This is, we're just. We're well, just that's talking. Because I'm really in no position to be not even funny, but insightful, amusing. I mean, I'm really. I, is your are people really listening to this? Is this oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would assume they'd have turned it off by now. But that's, that's <laughs> no, okay. this yeah, is yeah. what they. This is what they come to the station for. This is they what they, come to radio they were just hearing, you know, an eclectic playlist, and now they get. But I think I think I'm getting into it. I mean, Colby, you know, we can get into it. I really, I haven't talked to anyone in a number of days now. I, yeah, yeah. I've been in my, my room, alternately my office. Mm-hmm. I've been reading intensively about uh, uh, Kafka's letters yes. to his, to his yes. uh, doomed fiance, yeah. uh, Felice Bauer. Uh, reading all the, the texts around that mm-hmm. relationship. I don't really have anything insightful to say about it, but I just want to give you some sense of 
what I've been up to. Well, with- well, I mean, talk about Kafka's letters for a second because his diaries came out last year, they they, did. They, and that was like a, a lot of people wrote about. You know, them, I thought that uh, was yeah. a little bit bullshit because <laughs> you know. Everyone was heralding this as this exciting new translation. As far as yeah. I can tell, all it really did was restore a few lines that suggested Kafka maybe was a little bit gay uh, <laughs> that had been cut by his friend Max Broad sure. decades earlier. And then sure. removed some punctuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was the, you know, master. No, it wasn't a revelation. I feel it like all it did revelation. was give people an opportunity to revisit writing about that guy. Oh, yeah. And listen, does, do you, does one need an opportunity? You yeah. know, I'll do that shit every day. Yeah. I love going and reading. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite were the essays that were like, uh, you know, uh, you'd think all Kafka did was write and go to his day job, but according to his diary, he also went swimming. <laughs> he, did, he went swimming. He uh, wrote other letters to people. Yes. Uh, he you, the, the funniest detail is, uh, and I, this is stuck with me, two details have stuck with me this week for my yeah. immersive self-education. The first is, uh, uh, I'd known this but forgotten that uh, he was tormented during mm. the years of his peak creativity by the fact that he'd been unveiled into co-owning an asbestos factory <laughs> by his, uh, by his uh, overweening father. And, uh-huh. uh, uh, every day he's writing in his diary, he's like, I don't care about this asbestos factory. This asbestos factory is yeah. killing me and it really destroys his life. And the other is that he was a man very sensitive to noise uh, whose parents placed two, two parakeets outside <laughs> of his – canaries, rather, outside of his bedroom uh, and then replaced them. Uh-huh. Each time the canaries died, they would be replaced immediately by new canaries. Wow. Very sensitive uh, parents here. That's right, buddy. <laughs> I have to. Do you feel like when? Do you remember like the first time you 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 went as so far as to read a writer that you liked his or her letters <laughs> oh, or, or diary uh, or, or something like that? Because I I feel like for me that was when I was like, okay, I'm a book boy, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is the thing I you like. Know, I didn't self-identify as one for a long time, and I yeah. still feel pretty underread. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've read anyone else's letters before. I don't. I mean, letters I find typically pretty boring. Uh, oh I think yeah, they often are. Even these letters to Felicia that I just read six hundred pages of were. I mean, that's dedication. tormenting. It was horrific. It was yeah, one of yeah. the worst reading experiences sounds, of my life. I have no idea terrible. why I did it. I get myself involved in these sorts of you know schemes. Yeah. But uh, I did buy the letters to William from William Gaddis recently. Mm. Started those pretty, but but you know it starts when he's eight years old. He's writing home from sleepaway camp. I don't. <laughs> no. That doesn't matter. They're in the book. They're in the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's the first eighty pages That's of the bizarre. book is him writing home from boarding school, talking about various school supplies he needs. I mean, this isn't material that I necessarily need. I do wonder no, no. Uh, how. Um, uh, if email are emails going to be archived, Colby? No, I don't. That, there's no you're, way, you're right? About that, I there's don't know. No way. I mean, I haven't. Are you? Were you ever in your life a substantial email writer? Do you have any a like email correspondent? Correspond- I've I've had some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have like an old professor who of mine oh, okay. who I'm still. And you know, you, every, did you ever court a woman through email? Did you ever send? No, no. Really. No. You never tried to like, I mean, elaborate well, a personality through in middle school. I did middle school. I'm not talking about middle, <laughs> middle school. school. What was that? An actual email? You yeah, had an email yeah, account. Yeah. In well, school? I I was not allowed to ha- to be on instant messenger. You weren't on AIM. when I was when I was in middle school. What I, kind in of high parents? School, that's you were well, deprived of something very I, important, I, I, informative. Well, it, it only becomes more and more apparent as the years Do go on. Do you feel on, that man. you've been basically sabotaged from the start? 
by not having been able to use AIM. Not by that particularly. Not but, by that, but, but used to, yeah, in general, but yeah, in general, of course yeah, I do. But really, you know, Colby, go yeah, on. Yeah, I do. Stop. I totally do. You really feel I you've totally been sabotaged do. from the start? What, yes. do you, what do you mean? What do you mean yes. by that? I think it's a combination of... Keep talking while I grab another one of these. Oh, yeah, they're good, aren't they? These uh, threes brewing. Uh, is that what you? Is that what you were talking about? You're getting another one? Yeah. yeah. The All or Nothing, the West Coast IPA from Threes Brewing. I'm a fan. All right, well, uh, what are you, you're saying that your life is ruined from well, your yeah. age? But... Well, I mean, it's like you, we're, both, we're both friends with uh, uh, our pal Lauren Euler, right? I would not call her a friend. I mean, I would call <laughs> She's not I, my friend, but I would like, call her a warm acquaintance. Yeah, yeah. Someone that I see at this point, maybe once every five years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But she's from West Virginia. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like, like deep. Like even. Are more, you from West Virginia? I'm from like Maryland, but like right on the border, right on the border. of the two. So like practically, West Virginia culturally is what I like to say. See, I was not sabotaged from the start. I mean, in yeah, that yeah. sense, I mean, I'm a boy. You know, I'm an upper middle class boy from Long Island. I still fucked up my life, right? In right. horrific ways. It's amazing <laughs> the self sabotage. I mean, I try to catalog it. I just can't believe it. But see, I feel like that is that is like a higher plane to me. The like that you. That you're taking this responsibility for doing it yourself, whereas I am like, no, it's everyone. It's my no, yeah, family's fault. It's my town's fault. I absolutely fault. do it's not a, blame anyone yeah, for my. Yeah. The but see, that's state this of my is life. where I've got to get. This no, I mean, yeah, my I have uh, siblings who do hold resentments, you know, against my parents or whatever. I mean, I, the thing with me is also I have a very poor memory, so I don't, I just, I just don't remember anything that happened before I was really the age of like twenty five. So okay. I, I, I'm trying to reconstruct, and I literally will sit down. And try to reconstruct. I can read it on air, <clears throat> although probably it would take a while to find uh, just things that have happened in my life, and I find it almost impossible. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what's happened. To yeah, me. your memoir starts at twenty-five, which is basically, like, and even then, it's pretty hazy. No, yeah. in fact, it then just gets worse. You know, drugs get involved. I mean, I have no idea. Up until like a few weeks ago, I'm basically. <laughs> I'm only partly kidding. My, my grasp of like my memory, I do not have a very detailed visual memory. Right. And it's very troubling to me. Yeah. It's kind of haunting when you are reminded of a story that you completely. Well, it happens to me all the time. I was told the, uh, if I remember, like a year ago, uh, another friend of ours, Elise, was trying to remind me of the time that I feuded with. Uh, our school's mascot from the stage of one of our improv performances at, we were, at, in college in college and we were having a kind of brawl and i don't none of this i recall none of this speaking of college dan yeah i'm gonna ask you a question okay we're here we're in this we're, we're in this big city we're on we're on this global stage yeah you went to a state school as did i oh yeah i have met people who have made me feel Bad, inadequate, etc. Interesting. For the lack of prestige in my education. Okay. I was thinking about this last night. We'll get. I'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. Well, have like, you? This is have a perfect you question you could ask me. Yeah. I was writing in a diary yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm in kind of a fucked position here because on on the one hand, yes, I did attend a state school, which does mm. have its own kind of cachet. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I went to that state school out of state, and had I been a good enough student i could very easily have gone to you know a more if Uh i had good grades right it wasn't that i was barred from good schools by financial considerations i was barred from them by you know being a fucking moron and so (laughs) you know it's really the worst of both worlds but i was yesterday for instance i i had a pitch rejected 
uh, by the Paris Review, by someone, you know. So they yeah, got back to you. They got they back to me and they rejected and, they, and this person's younger than me and, and I believe I, I really educated. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I do think certainly there are networks of, of literary power that form around these Ivy League schools and that I have no, didn't certainly for a long time have any real awareness of. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how much it matters, you know, yeah. in, in the end. I mean, I, I use, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I would just say, I think as a bearing on your talent, it doesn't have any. No, it does. Any... I mean, I've long believed that if you didn't go to Harvard, Yale, maybe Dartmouth, you could never write a book. You shouldn't <laughs> write a book. You have nothing to write about, <laughs> fundamentally. But I do think in terms of, like, being seen or being noticed or getting in front of the right people, it helps a lot, which is, in New York, I think, most of the battle. You might be right about that. I don't know. I, I don't I, know either. There's I, no way for me to know. What do you mean there's no way? First of all, what are, you, are, are, what are you trying to get out there, Colby? What are you talking about? What, well, what are, no, I, I just mean I, the, uh, it seems as though uh-huh. I, have, I, you know, I have known people. I think it just affects your thinking. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I, I don't know if I've told you this, but, but I love to tell the story because it was, it was uh, uh, eye-opening for me. Okay. In the de- in the in, in my, my the peak of my powers in the comedy scene, sure. okay, twenty eighteen, well, when I was the kingmaker, I, I I was not uh, Lauren's right hand man. I, I was not nobody. <laughs> you were not nobody. You At were somebody. Point. You remain somebody. I went to uh, Harvard University to perform improv and teach workshops. Okay. Harvard? Re- how, yeah. how did this happen? The, uh, uh, through a friend. I'm going to be honest, Colby. I didn't realize you were that far advanced. <laughs> I, I, I guess I was aware you were doing shows here and there. I didn't know uh-huh. you were at the point that Harvard... Who who reached out to right. the dean of Harvard? No, no. It was Harvard's student improv group. Harvard reached out to a friend group. of mine who uh, said... They said, you know, do you have a team that you would want to perform? Because they always... They have this festival, this like student improv festival, and they always try and get a... Uh, uh, you know, a real team <laughs> okay. to, to, to close out the show. So they reach out to my friend. My friend says to me, I'm putting together a team. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, would you like to be part of it? Of course. We go up. We teach these workshops. All these different student groups come in from, you know, it's like, it's truly, it's, it's like the seat of power. It's like the Columbia improv group uh-huh. and the Georgetown improv group are all there. Uh-huh. We're all, you're we're, very, you're we're very all overawed by these <laughs> Ivy League improv comedians. Well, let me, let me get yeah, to it. Okay. Let me get to it. We do the shows. The shows are amazing. People are coming up to us. Oh, my God. That was so incredible. Uh-huh. They were so funny. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and all day, I feel like we're kind of getting this treatment of, like, respect. You know what I mean? It's sure. like, you guys, you were at UCB. You're doing comedy in New York. Like, that's awesome. We want to be doing that. The minute the shows are done, maybe not the minute, but, uh-huh. like, in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, yeah, I understand. The guy who runs the Harvard uh-huh. <laughs> group comes up to us and says uh do you want to see the castle now the castle is the home i guess of the harvard lampoon the clubhouse you mm-hmm. know and it truly is this way too big building with like many floors uh where and it's just like the harvard lampoon has it like they just they get to be there whenever they want like mm-hmm. whatever they deserve it again if you <laughs> well, go to harvard they, you deserve everything. they deserve it uh and um, we're just kind of like – they, they give us the tour. It's like immediately the balance of power has shifted to like they're big-timing us now. You're really – uh, you get the whole uh, wrong attitude here, Colby. <laughs> well, you hold keep, on. Hold yeah, on. okay. All right. Go continue. They give us the tour. We're being led around. And then 
we're just kind of talking to everybody afterwards uh and we're just kind of like yeah like what's what's up like what do you guys like want to do and they were all kind of just like well we can't decide you know if we're going to go to new york or la you know because we know a lot of people who are out there right like working on shows already so uh you know we just say we we got to figure out what we want to do and it's just like like they they know that if they go to la Someone's going to get him a job. Okay. Like yeah, right away. Sure. And I mean, this is an extreme version of this thing I'm talking about. But it's like, I do think that, you know, the whole like thing of like there's a cabal of Ivy Leaguers, you know, like running the uh-huh. world is like a, it's, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory. But there is some truth no, to that. There's thing a lot of, of truth like, to uh, it. There's, an, there's, there's a huge amount of truth. And first of all, we need to talk about anti Semitism on college campuses. <laughs> no, uh, but I feel like. No, I mean, you know, I go, I go back, I think about this often. Uh, I think when I was younger, when I was actually in college, uh, you know, I was sort of insecure about uh, being an attendee of a state school. But, I mean, as the years have uh, gone on, I mean, I, I go back and forth. On the one hand, and I was saying this to my friend yesterday, does the fact that I, you know, went to this state school and afterwards, uh, you know, had these kinds of this, these years and years of fucking up and failure, and not getting anywhere and and running in place, years that have, are ongoing. I mean, this is a, this is still the, the case, basically. You're 27, and you were saying, yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, does that lend my life, my way of thinking, an interesting grain? And you know, is that is that a good thing to have happened or is it really the case that i probably would just be you know it would just be better to be successful at a, at a young age and, and go yeah. on from there you know i don't know i don't know probably the, the latter honestly i, mean, I, I, think I want the, that for it is, you, you it's know? A sort of uh i think that uh that's a it's a way that that failures try to comfort themselves is <laughs> to say like well at least i have this these scars this experience right. but i don't actually think that's true i think my life would be probably much better if i just gotten it together it, <laughs> At a younger age, but and done what though? Like what? What's the? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like you know, so, I don't know either. Something of note, something interesting. You know, I, I also I got to get a new mindset. You know, your 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 listeners must think I'm so depressed. I'm a very cheerful person. It's true. It's true. I, I walk around the streets. I, I'm singing all day long. I was singing <laughs> on the way over here. I'm not kidding, Colby. No, I know. I leap off <laughs> of street corners. I'm literally kicking my heels. I've kicked my heels twice today. I'm not kidding. I mean, look. Look at what? I think that's great. You don't think that's great? You I do. That's terrible. All right. I don't think that's terrible. That's good. But Why yeah, would I? I don't know, man. But well, you know, yeah. I, I, uh, uh, but the, the, the benefit I think of having attended a state school too is that you know, anytime I would meet someone from the Ivy League after I graduated, I would usually think like this person is a fucking moron. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah. And again, this might be a sort of. You know, story that one tells to comfort oneself. No, having gone to a shittier school, but I mean, I, I, uh, you know, I, I would never trade up the experience. You know, trade away the experience of uh, having a uh, Wilmington fentanyl dealer uh, living in my house without asking me, and just sort of bringing in dozens of love sacks. I don't know uh-huh. if you're familiar with love sacks. No, no. Sort of yelling at us about the upkeep of the house, and <laughs> you know, saying we should clean more. Is like you don't live here now. Keep in mind, the only reason this guy was in our a part of house to begin with was that he had gotten our roommate hooked on fentanyl. Uh-huh. He then had to leave school. Uh, and then I guess as unspoken compensation, we were to put him up for the <laughs> for rest of the year. And we had the most strung out fucking Wil- Wilmington, you know, uh-huh. uh, hollow cheeked, terrifying guys knock on the door at all times looking for fentanyl, which I suppose is addictive. I, you know, I don't, I haven't done that one specifically, but, 
you know, is that happening over at, uh, 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 you know, it might be happening at Bennington, Wesley, and schools like that. Certainly, yeah. I'm going to guess it's not happening at Yale. And, you know, it just, I, I, I appreciate the experiences that I that I had, you know, oh, yeah, Delaware. Yeah. I mean, I think I had a, 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 most of the people, so, you know, I grew up in a, you know, a Tony upper middle class Jewish suburb on Long Island. Most of my friends uh, went to, you know, the, the better class of colleges. Uh, and they had the experience of being like, wow, there are people even richer than we are. Meaning <laughs> yes. like, you know, yeah. people who are not the children of lawyers and doctors, but people who are the children of financiers and Saudi yes. princes. Whereas, I went to the University of Delaware and encountered the lower middle class for the yeah. first time in my life. <laughs> yeah. And those lower middle class losers are my friends today. Yeah. I mean, those are the people that I, I, you know, spend most of my time with, that I live with, uh, whose, yeah. uh, you know, children's births I celebrate. As yeah, I yeah, did yeah, earlier, yeah. You know? But I, what I wonder with this, you know, when we're talking about the, the, the class system and those moments in your life where you're kind of, you're face to face with it, maybe in a way that you haven't been before. Uh-huh. I mean, there are times where I wonder why there isn't just open warfare in the streets like open open class warfare in the streets because they especially in the in a major city like this one you are face to face with truly disgusting levels of inequality i mean but but, but now we were open this we've been talking so far even in the range we've been discussing we're talking about the top 10 percent of the country right yeah oh yeah we've been talking the difference between a university of delaware and a yale graduate is very different between a university of delaware graduate and some motherfucker on the street yeah i mean of course that's a completely different world of course that and you know those people should be sheltered in some way i think and colby is the mayor's sort of aid and (laughs) Soothsayer Whisperer, yeah, you, should, you should get on. You, should, you yeah. do have his ear. You have yeah. everyone's ear. You're the, the one... king of the city. By the way, Cole, but do you, do you think that you would, there'd ever be a situation would arise where uh-huh. you would be the most important man in New York, that anything you would say would basically go? There'd be no, basically, obstruction between the thought you would have and that thought materializing in the world. Is that something you think that could happen? I just want yes or no. Don't no. Add, don't let no. Okay, yeah. that's. I don't think so either. Okay. <laughs> What? Uh, give me more stuff to, to, to talk about. I think I'm finally warming well, up after all this time. The last time, uh, the last time I saw you in person, you recommended to me a book that I loved. Uh huh. What was the book? The Dying Animal by Philip Roth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Roth. It's so strange. Yeah. He's such such a guy, a guy that I love for years. No, no, but go on. I want to hear your impression. Well, I, I would. I'll say a couple things about this. Mm. Number one, this book is amazing. Mm. It's uh, the thing that impresses me about it is that when you start it. You think there's, I mean, it's very beautifully written, of course, but there is a part of you that's like, I wonder if this is just a wank fantasy for him, because the book is about a older professor, very similar in age and status to Philip Roth, who has an affair with a young student in oh, yes. one of his classes. But I, the, 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 the book uses every part of the buffalo, as we used to say in improv, where it's like it <laughs> takes this, this idea of this older man who has kept his kind of sexual independence mm-hmm. and it contrasts him with his best friend who's dying, you know, with the, the young girl is, is sick and close to death by the end of the book. Right. It does. It's not just a fantasy of virility. No, it's uh, a tragedy of virility. It's very much so. I, feel. I mean, I, I, so. I invoke the book without naming specific names whenever I am confronted with, and this happens more often than you would think, uh, an older man who exclusively dates not just younger women but much younger women, mm-hmm. sort of coming to the end of the line of uh, being yeah. a viable suitor. Uh, because I mean, the book is if it's if it's powerful in anything, it's you know the, the idea of someone um, 
who uh, is disgusting to younger <laughs> people, and no one wants to, to be involved with them. But it's funny that you say they're similar in status to Philip Roth, because I think what's interesting about the book is that he's not similar in status. He's a... Uh, you know, he's sort of a book check guy, right? He's like, a, he's like, he's a yeah, critic. Yeah, yeah. He's he, sort of well, a secondary but, player. But, but I, I, he's kind of like, um, uh, uh, her name escapes me now. But he like he goes on NPR and the PBS Terry station. Gross. No, no, I was thinking of you're thinking, uh, no, you're thinking of Terry. Gross. The, who is the woman who wrote that book about the the Great Gatsby uh, a couple years ago? Who is like she she is the same thing where she's like a Georgetown professor. She goes on NPR. It's, uh, it's, it's there. There was the whole class of people like that. yeah. Now there's like yeah, three yeah. guys and yeah. they're and they're not <laughs> yeah. doing well. But there was. I mean, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're sort of. Uh, the commentators. Maureen the Corrigan. That's Maureen right. Corrigan. Yeah. Maureen Corrigan. That's right. Anyway, yeah, go yeah. on. Sorry. I got nothing to say, Colby. No, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, the di- all I really remember having read, so I, I've read much more recently uh, than The Dying Animal, Martin Amos's review of The Dying Animal, which reminded me that the book is um, obsessed with the woman's breasts. Yeah. Described lavishly, and that the tragedy, or one of the tragedies of the book, is that they are cut off uh, yes. at the end of the book. And that is, <laughs> yes. it, it is sort of a hilarious and <laughs> a ridiculous silly. book in, in that way. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Philip Roth was someone, I, I read all of him when I was like in my early 20s, mm. and uh, I don't really relate to him. I mean, the, the yeah. kind of horny Jew archetype. I don't, which I don't, he invented. Which, which no, uh, yeah. He, I mean, well, like, yeah, sure, I'm not yeah. saying he was the first guy no, to no, no. be that way. I mean, like, in terms of the popular consciousness, like, he, he uh, uh, embodied Absolutely. that for the first time. Uh, and I, having spent this week reading Kafka, I am much more aligned with the sort of neurasthenic, uh, stay-at-home, anxious, not, but not, not performatively anxious, genuinely sort of Jewish guy, you mm-hmm. know, which is, a, which is a different category of person. I mean, I do wonder if the... Uh, the Roth models running out of steam, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they uh, – well, well, I mean – Well, you'd be surprised, actually. I've gone on dates with multiple 25-year-olds who, who still have had sort of awakenings with Woody Allen. They, they, despite really? all, Despite the allegations, which are – Really? All true. Well, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Say, uh, say, say more. I, what, in what way? Well, I, I think that, you know, you watch Annie Hall and uh, – It's, it's – it's you still find him appealing, and now, especially if you're a certain sort of, uh, you know, if you're if you're 25, 26 years old, and you came of age against the background of sort of uh, a really rampant wokeness, and this is not an anti woke statement. I, no, I, no, I'm very much in favor of social justice of all kinds. But if you're sort of uh, if you feel oppressed by that from a young age, there's then a kind of cachet and uh, valorizing. People like Woody Allen. In fact, I wanted to date with a woman who said not only that she could watch Woody Allen's movies despite the fact that uh, he married his stepdad. We, we don't need to relitigate Woody <laughs> Allen's crimes, but but that he did nothing wrong. That he was he was completely wow. innocent. And I was wow. like, that's crazy. That's insane. And a then, woman yeah, said this. A woman a woman said this at last. I mean, I really pushed her on it, and she she would not budge an inch. That Woody wow. Allen is completely innocent. Uh, I mean, I think this is a sort of received line from a certain podcast that people listen to. But nonetheless, <laughs> oh, uh, that may, never mind. Yeah, I get it. yeah, yeah. But uh, but anyway, so I so I think people are some young people are turning to Woody. Allen precisely because he has this like you know uh, uh, reputation and because it's sort of transgressive to watch his movies and then then they are nonetheless being suckered by the charm of his characters or his persona which which is I think remains quite quite charming to me me personally or you know but I I, I think was it you that brought up the Orson Welles 
Woody Allen takedown to yes. me at some point yes, recently. That was yeah, yeah. I've related to the audience here, yeah. which I can't believe. Is anyone really? I would kill myself if anyone's listening. I don't know this. if anyone's listening live, okay. but I mean, uh, people listen to this people, later. This people, is a, sure, I'm sorry, sure. first of all, no one's listening to this live. This is, we're just hanging out here. <laughs> no, no, they're that? listening. They're listening. There's, do you have any aware? Does it show you who's listening? No, but I, I mean, I, I don't have like a ticker. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, but <laughs> so, who's what is this? This, this but seems I know. to be quite a lavish establishment. <laughs> you have all this shit going on. All I, all I can say is that there are many thousands of people, unique listeners, who listen on a monthly basis. Okay. And that's sustaining this massive building in the heart of the Yeah, I mean, it's successful enough that we qualify for some nice nice grants. uh, Some nice grants. So uh, uh, that much. But right now, it's possible that we are in this room and that nobody is listening to us. It's possible. That takes a lot of the pressure off. (laughs) I have no idea how stressed (laughs) I've been since I arrived here. Now, that has their external reasons for that. But I guess in my mind, I was picturing not an audience of millions, but 10 Germans who were sitting in the (laughs) scene unsmilingly. Uh, and that was really stressing me out. But now I, we, I mean, we only, can we, can we extend this another hour or no? We got, we got. Well, we gotta, t- technically, there's a show that goes on at eight, but I mean, we'll see if they show up. <laughs> all right, Sometimes if they don't, they show, don't up, show up. We're going all night, buddy. Anyway, what <laughs> we talk about? We're forty three minutes, forty four seconds. Yeah, in, and we're just getting started. Now, give give me some stuff, Colby, about who you are and what your, what your life is. <laughs> who I am? Yeah, I want to. Yeah, come on. What do you think of this shirt I'm wearing? I like it. I always think you look cool. You think I look cool? Yeah. Wow. You always think I, I look do, cool? I There's do. no I, way that's true. I, did, I absolutely do. You I always, always think like, I look cool. I, but I feel, I feel like you have the style that I am going for, but I'm not quite at. That's psychotic which is like, for me to hear. Which is like, it's it's simple, but it is hip. You know what I mean? It's not like... Uh, uh, this is the best thing I've ever heard. I mean, I, I've, well, I've never been happy in my life to hear this because I, I agonize so much over clothing. Men was, don't tell each other that they dress well. Uh, well, most of my friends just like complete shit. And I tell them that. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of... That's true. I mean, well, it depends on the man. I mean, I got a lot of friends who have just completely given up and they really... They don't make any effort at all. But, uh, you know, I, I, because unlike many of my... 33-year-old friends, I'm still sort of on the dating market, yourself included. Yeah, I, I'm not really on. I got to really at least, there. you know, seem presentable, I guess, but I'm constantly thinking about this shit. I mean, I, I, I uh, we know, we got yeah, Well, no, I just, uh, I, if we're going to talk about clothes for a second, it's like uh-huh. the, the other day I went to a, uh, uh, I went to a thrift store, not, not too far away from here. I went to the one, uh, the L train vintage that's like L-train, right I off of. I'm always overwhelmed. They go in there, there's so many, it's like. I know, you know I know. It was, it was a lot, but, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, I'll get, a little bit of everything, you know. We got some a t-shirts, some button downs, you know, maybe some sweaters and everything. And I was looking at the clothes, and I was like, I, you know, I, I'm finding some things I like, but a, a little part of me was like, is this unbecoming? It is, of yeah. A man I, in my uh, uh, station, I do think it life. is not just the station life. I mean, you're just not going to find anything good there. I, I, <laughs> sure. I think the phenomenon that is well established is that all these like uh, resellers on Depop are basically, especially if we're in Bushwick, picking. These vintage stores clean, you know, from the sure. moment they yeah. open the door. No, what I do, and I'm, this is the uh, 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 approach I recommend you take, is to spend four weeks panicking on an almost daily basis about how you dress terribly. Spend maybe an hour per day looking at clothing, sort of sorting your budget, thinking what should I buy, what should I not buy, and then in a complete panic, spending $400 on the worst fucking thing you've ever seen <laughs> uh, that that goes with nothing. I, I received an overcoat yeah. in the mail the other day. I don't own a single item of clothing I can wear it with. Yeah, uh, It haunts me. It's on the 
chair in my kitchen, and it, it's ruining my life every time I look at it. And just the, the sheer expenditure. I'm you not, can't return it? Uh, I suppose I could have. But it's now been wearing it. It's it's a, a, first of all, it's a huge. What am I going to go to the fucking it's a post office? No, it's a yeah, pain. Exactly, Women yeah. return clothes. Like, I don't see how. I don't no see what tomorrow. they're doing. Where would one go about doing that? I had, I had a joke for a while that I, that I could never quite get. It never got the reaction. Wow, I feel like I, I'm on a comedy uh, podcast. Uh, You're talking about. I hear <laughs> yeah. that whenever I listen to stand-ups talking on uh, yeah. podcasts, they're always like, "Oh, I was workshopping this bit," you know. Yeah. Well, so well, let me hear you the, the, the workshopping. The, 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 it's never. It's so grating for your audience to listen. No, to. I just no, cannot imagine. Great. All right, all right continue. You know, I never, when I listen to podcasts, I never hear people saying like, "I'm sounding terrible right now." But that's you know. <laughs> But we're, Maybe we're they should. Changing More the people should think they of should. themselves. I, I know, before you tell this anecdote, do I and I do terrible. want to hear this anecdote, I okay. want to say to you that often, often, on a daily basis, I listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts almost every day. They're podcasts I've been so listening to for eight to ten years. And what always astonishes me listening to these podcasts, these people sound the same. Every time I listen to them, it sounds like a similar, the same person uh-huh. is talking each time, whereas – Hour to hour, I'm a completely different guy. Yeah. I think within this hour, I've become seven different guys. I have no stable social personality. The idea that I could show up on a podcast and be myself uh-huh. is psychotic to me. Now, Colby, I don't remember what <laughs> anecdote you were going to tell me, but I do want to hear it. It was, was something about you. clothing. I was, we, no, no, I was going to tell you. Uh, uh, well, I guess it's kind of related to clothing. I was going to tell you uh-huh. a joke that I, I used to try to get to work, but never. It never oh, got right. the reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted. There, there we where, go. Uh, you know, because a big thing in uh, uh, you know, like '90s comedy was like bitches be shopping. You know, uh-huh. you remember bitches be shopping i i don't think i remember it directly i remember it as something referenced <laughs> as like a, after a, the a, fact. a concept yes so i i would say uh i would say whoever whoever uh was the first guy to say uh uh bitches be shopping don't know anything about women because i mean they're gonna be sending most of those clothes back <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah no that's good and it's true. It is. Is that I? You know, I don't know. Is that I've, I've not I, I, that. I have been, I've coworkers of many, many different jobs who are who are women. I'll I get. Say well, to them, I'll yeah. say to them, what, "What are you doing after work?" And they'll say, "Oh, I got to return some stuff to Madewell." Interesting. Weekly. Oh, Weekly. This is some, happening all the time. I got to take some stuff back to Madewell. Wait, I've not. I've never seen this phenomenon. Look, I don't like where we're at right now. Well, you, I'm embarrassed. You, you and I. A, men be like this. Women be like. That. No, that's a great. It's a wonderful and versatile <laughs> format. There's nothing I love more. Because here's the thing, Colby, and it's there really are differences between men. And women. <laughs> I. Uh, well, what's interesting is going on Twitter right now since it's purchased by. Elon Musk, that yeah. all you see now is shit like, you know, women are like this, men are like this. There really yep. does seem to be a return to this kind of gender essentialism, which is mostly just cringy. But it's mostly being perpetrated by right-wingers who are, and not just sort of like uh, run-of-the-mill right-wingers, but this kind of like uh, uh, hip class of right-wingers that, that somehow exists. And it, ever, it, It's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling, you know? Excuse me. What are we going to do about it, Colby? <laughs> I don't know. Can give me some answers here. As uh, you know, Woody Allen might say, uh, "Get some baseball." I don't want to hear and, about Woody uh, Allen. Explain things to him. Uh, say, wait, sorry, man. Get some baseball bats and uh, explain things. Is that to what him. he says in Manhattan? You, he says that. Wow, uh, that's very violent for Woody Allen. To, <laughs> well, okay. it's when Nazis are going to march in New Jersey. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I got. I assume you know. I, I haven't seen Rifkin's Festival, but I would love to. <laughs> Let's go. Let's Title see like it. that. Wallace Shawn? Are you going to tell me right now, Colby, that I don't think Wallace Shawn is very amusing and fun to, fun to watch? I'm sure. I'm sure. Rifkin's Festival. It's a hilarious title. It's one of the funniest titles ever. This, uh, I, I, the, oh, my Up God. there with uh, – I was talking to my friend yesterday. I've never read William Trevor, but he has a book called Felice's Journey, which is really the worst <laughs> – 
Worst title imaginable. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's not great. It's not good. What is your book called? And by the way, I would like the non-existent audience apparently to know that <laughs> Uh, uh, for months now, I have been putting off reading Colby's book, and I have felt quite bad about it. Yeah, now, but you Colby, don't need to feel bad. Well, I, I do need to feel bad about it, and I feel bad about it on an hour-to-hour basis. But, you know, Colby's not alone in this. I have – god damn it. This is now reminding me I told another friend that I would, I would read and evaluate his work earlier this week. And he said, you're not going to do it. And I said, no, I am going to do it. I swear I'm going to do it. If I don't do it, I'll buy you dinner. But it doesn't really matter now. He has a kid. It's not going to happen. But in any case – I'm sorry for not having read That's okay. the chapters that you sent me. I did each time you sent it to me, I open it up and I read the first page and I think this is some good stuff. I'm very I'm looking hey, forward to sitting down and settling nice. with it and really reading it. I haven't done it yet. I will say I had a whole relation well, no, my relationship fell apart for many other reasons. But one <laughs> one of the reasons it fell apart was that I did not read, read her or rather evaluate her novel in a timely manner. Now there were other reasons for that, which is that it was so staggeringly good and so much beyond my own capabilities that I almost yeah. felt sort of you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how I felt about it. It was a very complex experience. And this oh, person sure. has been and will be lavishly rewarded for their abilities. Now, anyway, I am looking forward to reading your book. Okay? I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I've, you not reading it has given me the chance to, to Just punch me. it up quite I'm a your, bit. I'm your lone reader. No, well, no, you're one. I think you're one of five people well, I've sent Well, can you it list to? out the other people on the uh, – the sure. The other one, well, there. There's my friend Matt Strickland. Matt Strickland, okay, has read it. Has has read a, a, a way the first draft. And he read. likes it. Or no? He liked it. it. Sucks. Okay, yeah. it's good. Hallie's read it. Yeah, it's your fiance. Yeah. Wait, fiance? Yeah. My old, right. my old, my uh, old uh, professor, my pen pal, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, read uh-huh. also read the first draft, and uh, I sent the first three chapters to this other woman who. It's like a friend of Hallie's oh, mom's woman. who oh, okay. uh, right. is is a writer friend. and uh, like What's teaches the her, uh, her name is Randy something Randy yeah okay. uh, but she had some nice nice things What's to say, say as well. Do you want to read the boys blue? Well, can I can I be I'll be vulnerable for a yeah, second. Please do. She said she had some notes, but she said, but clearly you have talent and you should pursue oh, this. That's very see that feels very good. It feels great. It's amazing how the slightest compliment. It's all you need. I, I will tell you this. It's all you need. And I, I say this in the, in the knowledge that the person I'm discussing will never hear this. <laughs> because even the show has millions of listeners. I don't think she's one of them. I published an article a few weeks ago. This article was nice. paywalled. Okay. Which means you can only read the first maybe third of it. And I was very upset about this. doesn't matter. But in any case, I got a text from a woman. Mm. Uh, a woman I barely know. Saying what was possible the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me about yeah. my writing. I mean, truly, wow, unbelievably kind. I, I won't, you know, whatever. But it, what broke my heart is that there's, she didn't read it. There's no, there's no way she read the article because again, it was paywalled. I didn't have the heart to tell her. A, 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 a different friend, a different friend who I know better, uh, said the same, a similar thing to me. Said, you know, I'm really moved by articles, great. And I said, oh, how did God. you read it? It's paywalled. She said, yeah, yeah. all right, I got to be honest with you. I mean, so in this case, I do believe that this woman read your read, read your story or your novel, but a lot, you have no idea how much bullshit is floating around in the literary sphere. And I've done the same thing. <laughs> Two different people coming to me saying, not just, oh, I liked your article, but my God, Daniel, what what an article. I that mean, that was really so, so great. No way that they couldn't have read it. So <laughs> there you go. That's that's what compliments mean here. It's an amazing, it's an amazing yeah. note to start winding things down on. Well, we're not winding things down. I don't care. Well, you and I are. No, no, no. Uh, where this show is not being wound down, you're gonna fucking drag me out of here. We're, do we really have to end? I mean, I don't see. Well, we waiting to, in the wings. We have to at least end at at eight. We can see what happens after that. 
What do you mean happens after Well, our, that? our slot is officially seven to this eight. This must and be then, such uh, punishing listening to whoever's <laughs> listening to it. I mean, what the fuck have we been talking about? Colby, you got to understand, this is not... Whoever arrived here in the beginning of the show was not me. <laughs> I, well, whoever's talking right now is not me. There's no statement. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. Do I you feel that. you walk around, you think, I'm Colby, I'm Colby? I mean, Absolutely I, not. You don't think I that. completely agree with what you're saying. Okay. I feel like... Uh, 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 in terms of like what I want, the big picture stuff, the big picture changes, stuff. it changes. You're talking about your ambitions, the things that. Well, you sure, want. sure, okay. things I'm interested in, things I, I want to see through to completion. Okay. You know, it's it's like a, a you know like what I want uh, my, impending marriage. What, 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 what I want my life to look like. You what know, it changes, all the, the ideal, it changes all the time. All right, listen, I don't know. That's what, what I'm want saying to, to you. Like? I think about this, you know, all the time. I don't have very good ideas about it, but I, I do suspect that. Um, Think, no, I don't think things will work out. I don't know. I, have, I don't really know. I have no idea. I, I genuinely, I, I again, I mean, I started a diary literally yesterday, literally, literally yesterday, uh-huh, and I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what's going to happen. I mean, no. we have about four and a half minutes here. And yeah. I mean, my, we can get real. I mean, yeah, now sure. I assume there are at least 35 Germans who are tuning. In fact, <laughs> yeah, I assume yeah. the word is spreading around Germany. Each People of are those going 10 house to house saying, you know, listen, turn, turn Radio Free Brooklyn on. Something's happening. How do I get it? Well, I you got to go to the website. There's an image, I think, again, in Philip Roth's Plot Against America where he the, there's a bunch of cars for some reason parked on the side of the road. And you can walk by these cars, and each one is playing the same speech by Roosevelt, so you can sort of hear it continuously oh, wow. as you make your way down the road. And I assume that's what's happening in Germany with, with this <laughs> podcast, is that you, you just sort of – an unbroken stream you're walking down. I hope so. What's I a street so in Berlin too. that I can use for this – for whatever I'm saying right now? I don't know. It's the something Strasse. So you're walking down the something Strasse, and uh, <laughs> you have an unbroken uh, feed. Did you, uh, did you read that, that Lauren Euler galley I sent you? The, I did read the Lauren big Arley essay Garrison. on Berlin in there. Yes, there absolutely makes was. you want to live there. I like no, that. not me. No, I, I, I totally, didn't sell it for me. Totally personally. fell for it. Really good essay. Uh, you, well, move there. What's what? What's stopping you? Yeah, I don't know. What's wrong? What do you mean? What's the problem? What? Why are you laughing? What, really? Go there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I don't have anywhere I need to, to be at any given time. Uh, my work is such that I can, I guess, do it from anywhere. You seem to be way. Or is this is this over? Is this coming? Down? This is really yeah, the, the most tragic thing. And I would like to take the next three minutes to speak unbrokenly about how sad <laughs> I am here. I, I arrive, well, you and I can keep it going. Uh, I'm not uh, talking to you for even a second. For this <laughs> I, I came here because I wanted the cloud of Radio Free Brooklyn. I wanted to get my and name you got out it. there. I want people you got to it. you know follow me, know who I am. Uh, but otherwise, you personally, I couldn't care less about. And I, I mean that. No, I really I don't mean that. I'm so sorry. You're, you're a great guy, Colby. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. You really are. I mean, it's amazing. I've known you now for about 11, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And would you say that your life improved or got worse after meeting me? After meeting you? Yeah. I think it got better, better, then got way worse. Got, what was the it way gets, worse? It's on, it's on we the We got upswing, time. Do it yeah. quickly. What was the what Well, was I'm going to—well— uh, well, Way worse is probably the depths of, you know, wanting stuff what do you, to work don't, out. Don't cr- no, we're fading Put the music on. What, do you, what, do you, what is going <laughs> on here? Look, no, no. Answer. This show will continue. <laughs> we need Hans and Dietrich and whoever to hear what's going on over here. <laughs> what, uh, what should, where should people find your stuff? Find my stuff. Again, I said it last time, don't bother. <laughs> okay. Well, that's been Potluck Dinner for this week, folks. Stick around. Uh, Dan Collins has been my guest. Keep Radio Free Brooklyn going. 
be back next time. <laughs>